Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, and how are you? Wow, man, that's, come on, you guys got extra time to sleep in. But hey, good morning. It's nice to see you. And you know, before I, I man, that story of that young man, um, he, he texted me this morning. He said, hey, pastor, do you have a minute to talk? I just want to talk to you real quick. I said, sure. So he goes, he, he pulls up, and he's in the car. And I'm like, why does he want to do this? And I had an, an idea. And so he goes, hey, will you get in my car real quick? I said, he goes, we're not going to do anything weird. That's what he led off with. I go, this is not going to go well. Um, no, I'm kidding. So I did, and he goes, hey, um, I don't know how you saw it on my Instagram, but, um, but you did. He goes, so it really, he goes, I'm from India, and it breaks, it just, that really moved on my heart because I didn't grow up with much. And he goes, and you're you talking about wanting to have a, the best Christmas for these kids in Thailand. He goes, I, I wanted to be a part of that. Um, so I reached out to all of my Instagram followers. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I, throughout, when, when you guys hear me speak, so many times I talk about what has God given you, what are gifts and talents that God has given you, that God wants to use in you to further his kingdom. And now one thing this guy had is he had thousands of followers on Instagram. I don't. I have like 1,000, 1,300, I think, something like that. I don't have, and, and so he said, I, I, what I did is I reached out to all my followers on Instagram, and I said, hey, will you guys help me make sure these kids in Thailand get the best Christmas possible? That guy raised over $2,000 by using a gift that, this, that has influenced there. And I, I talk all the time about, about your gifts and talents. You know, a couple weeks ago, I don't know how many of you remember the first sermon in the series, but I talked about how this one piece of wood had no meaning or no purpose for the picnic tables outside. Well, I was wrong because right after service, I should have played the video, right after service, somebody's car got stuck in one of the median, the planters outside in the parking lot. So guess what we had to use to get their car out of that planter? These boards. You see, some of you may think, but what gifts, what talents, what do I have that's of any use that God could use? So you see this, this, this right here, the graphic that we have up on the screen behind me? That was done by a guy named Jake, who also goes to City View here. This graphic right here was done by somebody who goes to church here, using its gifts and talents to further the kingdom. These invite cards, the Christmas invite right here that you guys hopefully all got, this was done by a lady here at City View, right here, sitting right there in the third row. She made these cards using her gifts and talents. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had those picnic tables sitting outside. And two men came up to me and said, Jeremiah, what are you going to do with these? I go, well, I need somebody to put them together. And they go, well, we can do it right now. I go, well, I don't have any tools here. They go, we've got them in our truck. Of course you do. Of course you've got tools in your truck right now, the ones you need. So what did they do? They went to their trucks in the parking lot. They got all the tools they needed, and they built the picnic tables. There's a guy here at City View. He's, he recently lost his job. He's like, Jeremiah, I just need some things to do. I go, well, will you hang the lights? He hung the lights. I go, we want our coffee cart painted black. Will you do that? Yes. So he painted it black. A guy came up to me right, after, or right before service, last, um, last service. Said, hey, Jeremiah, where's that coffee cart? I said, well, it's in the closet. He goes, can you open it for me? He goes, I want to put new wheels on it today. I don't know what your gifts and talents are that you're sitting on. Somebody came to me after service. They said, Jeremiah, the mother's lounge is really nice. It'd be nice if we had a TV in there. I go, yeah, well, here's the problem. We want to have a TV in there, but we have these cameras that can stream in here. But right now, Jared, who already does, you heard him preach here. 
and now he's running a camera back there. He also helps, he also helps run all this stuff, the camera cabling and figuring all that out. I'm like, I know you want to have a TV in there, but we need people to run cameras. So maybe you're like, I don't, I mean, I could run a camera. People run like all the different things you may think, but what gifting, what talents do I have? I don't know. Only you know. That young man goes, I know I have, I have followers on Instagram. Let's see if they'll give to a bigger cause than themselves. I know I can draw neat stuff. I can't do this. You, you give me, and you may think, but their band is so good. You know, so many of them, like, they play multiple weeks in a row. You're like, they don't need any more new people. Don't ever assume you're not needed. Now, you may think, but I have this gift, but you're not using me in the way I want to be used. We have to be flexible, too. But I just want to let you guys know there's so many different ways that you can be used um, here at City View. So don't miss out on those opportunities. I just was blown away by that man. I'm blown away by just people wanting to use their gifts to be used by God. So that was really cool. Has nothing to do with my sermon, though. So we are finishing Philippians chapter 4. And as I was studying, I remembered this story back in high school, 1990s. I had this car. Will you please show them the picture? It was a 1983 three-cylinder Chevy Sprint. And yes, that's me in the back, skinny, um, totally pasty white. That's me. Um, I'm sorry for those. Somebody told me earlier, Jeremiah, can you just color a shirt on yourself? That's just part of the amazingness of that picture. So I had this car. It was a 1983 Chevy Sprint, three-cylinder motor. It was the lightest car possible. It, my friends could actually, I would come af, out, out of church after youth group, and they will have picked up my car and put it in a median. So you've probably heard me tell the story, this is the car. Um, I had house speakers for my speakers in the back of it. Those wood box speakers, <laughs> that was my system. Come on, let's go. That was my car. But hey, man, it got all the ladies. Um, it didn't, actually. I was embarrassed of that. Actually, I thought it was sort of cool. Um, that was my car. And so there was a day. I was on my way. Uh, my brother and I were driving. We'd go to school. And, and I'm driving down I-17, and I get off the freeway at Greenway Road. How many of you know that exit, Greenway and I-17? How many of you know what's at the, it's that Greenway and I-17, it's at the bottom of a hill. Everybody, you realize that? Now register in your brain. So it's at the bottom of a hill. This car, which doesn't need a lot of gas, runs out of it. Okay? Runs out of gas. Now, I am on my way to school, and I have that day for my attire, I have, um, Doc Martin sandals. Anybody remember Doc Martin sandals? Doc Martin sandals are sort of like Birkenstocks, but with heels. They weigh about three times as much as regular sandals. They were like huge, beastly things. That's what I'm wearing, and my car runs out of gas at the bottom. So my brother and I, I don't know what grade I'm in. I'm either a, a, a junior or a senior. I don't remember when I got that car. All I know is I paid 650 bucks for that thing, and I sold it for 950 That's what I remember and I remember it shook if you got it over 60 miles an hour. Literally shook like this. Um, <clears throat> so we pull up to the bottom and my car goes <laughs> and runs totally out of gas. There's no getting anywhere. So now we have to push the car to 35th Avenue in Greenway. Up a hill. Anybody know that exit? Now when you drive it, remember me, skinny me pushing this car in sandals up this hill. 
So I finally get to the top. My brother and I go, and, and at this time, I don't have a debit card. I have the cash from a fundraiser I'm doing for school in my car. That's all the money I have. I don't have any money. I didn't have a debit card yet. I had a job, but I had no money. So I have to go and take the $5 of fundraising chocolates or whatever I was selling out of my car to put in my car, okay? And gas at that time was only about a dollar a gallon. So we put the five bucks in. My car starts, but here's the problem. When you let a car that old get that empty, it causes the junk and all the trash at the bottom to start plugging the lines and plugging the filter so it no longer can run as it's supposed to. So this car, all of a sudden, couldn't run with the power that it had because I had allowed filth and trash to get in the way of the power of its potential. Now I wonder how many of us have ever run out of our own strength and our own abilities, and we got to the bottom, and we're wondering why is our life struggling? Because we've allowed the junk and the trash and the garbage to start plugging the lines so that we could not experience the power of God that wants to flow through us. Has anybody ever been there? We are allowing that. Because you see, the thing is, God's power is flowing through us. And we've been talking about this for the past few weeks. How there's a power. The power of God is flowing through us. And some of us are going, but why don't I feel it? Feel it? Why don't I feel this power? Why do I feel like I'm still struggling? Like I'm still trying to do this on my own? Well, I ask you, are your lines clear? So you know what I had to do? I had to put a new fuel filter on. And I had to clean out my fuel lines so that the trash and the gunk that was in it was gone from it. And so I wonder if there are things in your life that you need to start cleaning up and clearing up so the power of God could flow in you and through you so that you could get the most potential out of the power of God that God wants to do in your life. And so today as we look and as we finish off this series, I want us to be thinking about those things because so many times the reason why anxieties pop up in life is because we've allowed those, that gunk and that trash to plug the lines of the power of God. And all of a sudden, our lives start getting more and more anxious. Anybody ever been there? The anxieties of life just starts to peak and starts to go up little by little. Here's something I want you to know. If you are depending on your own strength, anxiety will overwhelm you. That is a promise if you are depending on your own strength. But this also is a promise. If you are depending on Christ's strength, he will overwhelm your anxieties. That too is a promise. So if we, are, if we have lines that are plugged, go say, okay, God, am I doing this in my own strength? And if you are, say, God, get rid of it. But when God's strength is flowing through you, your anxieties are overwhelmed by his power. And that's the best way. To live. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this morning. God, as we get into your word, as we finish this book of Philippians, I ask you to speak to our hearts. Encourage us, strengthen us, Lord. If there are any distractions in the way of you, Lord, I pray that we would allow you to take them, that you'd clean our lines out, clean our filter, so that we might experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we're coming to the end of this amazing book, Philippians 
I, I don't know about you, but I love this book. If you didn't get a chance to read through it or if you missed any part of it, go back, listen, rewatch this series, The Power Within You, as we looked at Philippians, all of this book. Our first week, we kicked off looking at how God started a work in us, how he's going to finish it. He's not finished with it, and he's going to finish the work he started in you. You may feel like, when is this going to happen? It's a lifelong process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's lifelong. God's still working on me. He's still struggling. He's still chiseling away the nasty things. That's just the reality. But God's not done. He's going to finish it. He promises us that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 4. And then in week 2, we looked at how, how to get the most out of life. How can we get the most out of life and how, how God has so many things planned for us and, and how we, we, he just wants to, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I talked about how we don't want to be, at the end of our life, we don't want to go and collect seashells, but we want to be pouring into people's lives that really matter. And I know it was that sermon that that young man came up to me and talked to me afterwards and said, Jeremiah, I want to do more. And then last week, didn't Jared do such an amazing job? I mean, I thought he really presented the word and really just did such an amazing job. Thank you, Jared, so much for preaching for me. I appreciate it. And Jared so clearly shared about how Christianity is not something that we take up, but it takes us up because that's what Jesus does. He lifts us up. And as we close out the series, The Power Within Us, we may be thinking, how? So how does this power actually work? How do I do it? What, what, what does it look like? Paul says this, and this is how Paul does it. This, this, is, this is how Paul gets his joy. Because remember in this book of Philippians, he talks about joy over and over again. And this is how we can keep going while, while Paul is sharing this message as he writes this letter. Remember, Paul's in chains as he writes this. So he's talking about how he's able to keep going. This is how he can keep going and stay focused, even though he has so many things he could be worried about, so many things he could be anxious about, yet... He says this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see, it's not a matter of through his own strength. He's, look, he's, he's coming to this point where he goes, I, the only way, the only reason, the only possibility to get through any bit of this life is doing it through Christ's strength. Now, remember, I, I talked about how those lines in our lives can get plugged, can get contaminated. So we're going to talk about how do we get those unplugged. But Paul is coming at this place where he goes, but I can do all things through Christ. When Christ's strength flows through me. And then he says this, and he believed this promise. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. He says, and my God will supply all your needs. And I don't know how many of you need to hear that today, that God's going to provide for you. I don't know what your needs are. I don't know if they're physical, spiritual, mental, or whatever they might be. But God is going to provide you. He's going to supply your needs. And it says according to his riches. I want to get you an idea, give you an idea of what that looks like. I know, hopefully most of you know who a guy named Warren Buffett is. Warren Buffett is one of the richest men in the world. So if you were to say, I want to supply all your needs according to my riches. He would say, that's, you could give every American $1 million and still have money. That's, that's how rich that man is. So then you got Bezos. I can't remember his first name. Whatever the owner of Amazon is. Jeff. There it is. Jeff Bezos. 
Imagine if he said to you, I'm going to supply you all your needs according to my riches. That means something, right? I mean, that he is the richest man in the world right now. So all of you who buy from Amazon, you're sending him your money. That's just what you're doing, making him richer and richer. I mean, no judgment, just that's what we're doing. And so if you were to say, I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches, that means something, right? But what if I were to tell you, hey, Sophie, I'm going to supply you all your needs according to my riches. You'd say, "Mm, I see what you drive. You drive a 2006 Scion XP. How far do your riches go? Uh, my riches go according to my next paycheck. That's where my riches go. Anybody else like that? If, you were, if I were to come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches, my riches don't do much for you. But you see, God's riches exceed Bezos, exceed Warren Buffett, exceed them combined, exceed every single person in this room because God's riches are endless. And so when Paul says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, He means it. He believes it. That's the place he lives. But here's the thing. We all still struggle with anxiety, don't we? See, and Paul is speaking to this church that is struggling with some serious anxiety, with some serious worries and cautions. Now, remember what I wanted you to hear. I wanted you to remember if you are depending on your own strength, anxiety will overwhelm you. That's a promise. That is a promise. But if you are depending on Christ's strength, he will, he always will, overwhelm your anxiety. So we come to this point in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul speaks to this church and he says to them in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a recommendation. This is a command. He says, be anxious for nothing. But, he says, but in everything. And if you have a Bible right now, I know not many of you have a Bible, which is a bummer. But if you have one, it's good to have one. Good to read it from a Bible. Circle everything. Because I think many of us, we don't do that. We, it says, be anxious for for nothing. But we do. But in most things, or in some things, that's where we do. But Paul says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How can Paul, being a prisoner, encourage a church that is going through some tough times? They're going through a a pretty serious division in the church. In verse 2, he names out two people. He names out a a lady named um, Syntyche and another lady named, um, where where do you see it, named Iodia. He names them. He says, Iodia and Syntyche, would you guys please stop causing division in the church? Can you imagine if I called you out? I'm like, David and Carly, would you please stop causing division in the church? Everybody would be like, oh, no. They just got called out. Wouldn't it? I mean, that would be crazy, right? Imagine if, if I had, whether it's the nerve or whether it is the whatever, to just come and say, you know what? I saw what you posted. I saw the fights you're doing on Instagram. On Facebook. I see what you're doing. Stop 
causing division. Imagine if that happened at church one Sunday. That, you wouldn't come back. That's what happens at this church service. Oh, man, I'd love to just be a fly on the wall and just sit there and watch everybody cringe. Everybody look at them. Paul says this, knowing that they're all going through hard times. He says, guys, be anxious for nothing. This word anxious, it, mean, it actually means to be pulled in different directions. I have seven volunteers that I need to come up right now. So if I asked you to come up, let me see, one, two. I might have gotten more than I originally wanted. Three, four, five, six. I need one more. Okay, one more. Sweet. Okay. So each one of these is an anxious thought. Jasmine, you're in the middle. Okay. Here's how you guys do it when you take one of these ropes. There's a loop, and you put the rope through the loop so that it causes a loop to go around her wrist. Who wants to be a big anxious thought? Garrett. Nicole, you get the other wrist. Big anxious thought. Do you, do you understand? Go ahead, you guys can start putting them on. And then, and then you have these smaller ropes on a wrist, yes. But loop it around. There you go. Here's another one. Who else needs a rope? Right there. And you can put those around their ankles. So I want one person pulling this way. The two big pull, you're going to pull out. There you go. Go ahead. Did you get them on? Okay. I want some on ankles. Hey, one of you go down on her ankle. Okay, cool. Perfect. Okay. So here, here, Paul says this. He says, be anxious for nothing. And this word anxious means to be pulled in so many different directions. It means to be strangled. How many of you, go ahead and start pulling. How many of you have ever had, I want one person up here. Sophie, will you come up here? Um, yeah, will you come out here? And, and you can go straight back there. Sort of by Abby? No. Garrett, you're going to go straight out. Garrett, no, you're going to go straight this way. Brittany, you're going to come underneath. It's like jump rope. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, so he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. The idea, the word, this word anxious or worry, it means to be pulled in every direction. Jasmine, have you ever felt that way as a single mom, pulled in every direction? Yes. I did tell them they weren't going to have to talk at all. I might have lied. Um, but it's okay to lie at church sometimes. I read that somewhere. I'm um, just kidding. It's not okay. But we feel this way. Pulled in every direction. You see, one of the problems, one of the reasons that our line of power can get plugged in us is because we allow anxiety to overwhelm us. And our anxiety keeps us from feeling the power of God from flowing through us. And so many times in life, so Paul, as he gets this, he says, okay, I want to help you change that. I want to help you unplug those lines of power that God wants to flow through you. I want to help you unplug that. But he gives us three things. He's going to tell us that we need to change our prayer, the way we pray, the way we think, and the way we live. That's what Paul's going to do here in the next few verses. He first says, I want you, you need to change the way you think. When you look at verse 6, he says this. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer. 
This word prayer, it means just general prayers. The prayers that we pray, making requests to God. When we find ourselves starting to worry, what is your first reaction? When you start to worry about life, whatever it might be, where's your first go-to? That's what you need to think about right now, because that might be causing some of the problems with your fuel. Imagine if my first go-to with my car was to my buddy's house over on 25th Avenue and Thunderbird. I'm like, maybe Matt will be home, and he'll know what to do for my car that ran out of gas. See, some of you, your first reaction is not the best. So, but what was my first reaction? Hey, Josh, we got to push the car to the gas station because we ran out of fuel. We don't have power. I need to go to God. So Paul, he says, okay, we need, he says, but when everything with prayer, and then he says with supplication. Here's what that word supplication means. It means sharing your heart. With prayer, that means all the general thoughts, but then in supplication means getting personal with God. You see, so many times in our prayer life, we focus on these two anxieties. And I don't know what they are for you. I'm going to tell you what they are for Laramie and I right now. Our anxieties are Laramie is quitting her job and she'll be done at the end of this year. And we, she's doing it because we feel like we're supposed to homeschool our kids to give them the best we can. Now, but we pay for certain things for the kids' school. So by Laramie quitting her job, that puts some stress on our family, doesn't it? So th- these are our two main stresses. So those start to pull. You guys can start pulling it, Jasmine. Go ahead. Don't pull her apart, though. So, but, but the thing is, how many of us, we focus so much of our prayer on the two main things, two, maybe four main things, and that's where your prayer goes. But I don't know about you, but how many of us, it's the small things that tear us apart? What's a small thing that you don't even think to pray about and you ask God for, to ask God for help, to relieve a stress? Could it be maybe you're driving to work? How many of you have ha- ever had a day It's going perfect in the morning, but all of a sudden you're driving to work ruins the rest of your day. Because you had a meeting at 9, you're on your way, you're perfectly on time, and then there's a car accident that makes you an hour late. And your boss is there, they go, why are you late? There's a car accident. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. So what are the things for you? So what's maybe something for you that you don't think to pray about, but it causes you anxiety? Not enough sleep. Not enough sleep. Not enough sleep. So what's something over here for you? Finishing my homework. Finishing my homework. Overworking myself. Overworking myself. Homework. Homework. Two homeworks. Look at that. A lot of homework up here. Last service, a mom yelled, what's for dinner? I don't know. What are the stresses of your life? What are some of the little ropes that you don't even think to pray about, but these things end up breaking you? What are some things? Call them out to me. What are them right now? What are they? Don't be shy. Last service wasn't. They were up at 9 o'clock in the morning. What are some of your? Be real. I told you mine. I told you my wife quit. That's scary. Raising kids. What else? Getting your vehicle fixed. There's a little one yelling over here. Oh, lack of connection. I thought it was one of your kids. Sorry, Tanny. Anybody else? What's your worry? What's next? You see, so many times it's these ropes. 
It's these prayers that we pray up to God for so often. And it's not these ones. God, help me know what's the best meal for my kids for dinner. God, I know I chose to go back to school. But will you please help me know? Help me with my homework. God, what's a big rope for you, Nicole? Can you share? What's next is a big rope? That's, a, that's scary. God, what's next? And if you're a mom like Jasmine, single mom, these pull you apart, don't they? But these can scare you to death. Because so many times, it's not these that make you go over the edge. It's this. It's you finding out your kid do, didn't do one homework assignment. It's, it's you coming into work and that employee, that, that person you work with, didn't take the paper off the copy machine. You think that's so little, but how many of us, it's those little things that push us over the edge. And Paul says, be anxious for nothing. You see, the only way for us to be anxious for nothing is if we drop everything to God. Go ahead and drop the ropes. And if you guys could help free um, Jasmine, if you need a knife to untie any of them, let me know. You see, Paul says, if you want to unplug life, if you're going to get unplugged in the things that are going on, what are you praying about? And what are you laying before God? What are those things that you're laying at God's feet? And Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication. But he just doesn't end it there. He says, and with thanksgiving. So what if we said, God, thank you for my kids and that they're causing me stress. God, you're great. And we ended it there. God, thank you for my homework. God, I thank you that I get to do homework. And what if we ended it there? What if we said, God, thank you that I do have food to eat. Maybe it's only beans and rice, but God, thank you that I've got something. What if, what if that's where we went in life, with more thanks instead of more concern? But you see, God doesn't want just our thanks. He wants all of it. He wants your trash. He wants your worries. He wants your concerns. But so many times, that power within us gets plugged because we're not sharing those things with God. We're carrying those things ourselves. You see, when we depend on, on, our, on our own power, what happens? It overwhelms us, doesn't it? So what are the little things in your life? Those little anxieties that you don't even think to pray about. I don't know what they are for you. I know what they are for me. I know that it, it, there, it could be just the drive to work. And you're like, Jeremiah, you pray about that every day. Well, why, why shouldn't I? I, drive, I don't drive far, but God, help me not to be stressed. Because I've had those days where I'm on my way into work, and then there's a car accident, and it irritates the daylights out of me that I can't go as fast as I want. Sometimes I try to get into work early. And I anybody else like me, you love to get into work early. Because you want to start your day quiet, and all of a sudden there's already people there. And you're like, I hate you. But you see, it's those little things. It's those little anxieties that push.
push us over the edge. And, and Paul says, let's change how we pray. Change the way you pray. Remember, if you are depending on your own strength, anxiety will overwhelm you. But if you're depending on Christ's strength, he will overwhelm your anxiety. That is a promise. So Paul says, okay, change the way you pray. And then he says, now change the way you think. Verses 7 and 8. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is anything excellent and if anything worthy of praise, dwell, focus on these things. So what are you focused on? Paul says, change how you pray, change how you think, and we're going to get to change how you live. But right now we're in change how you think. Change how you think. He says, think about whatever is true. Did you know, so Dr. Walter Cavert, you probably don't even know who he is. I don't either. But he did a report, and and in his survey, only 8% of the things that people worry about are legitimate concerns. Only 8%. That means what? What percent are not legit? 92. How many of you can vouch for that? 92% of the things that we worry about that keep us up at night. 92% of the things that cause us stress. 92% of the things that make us go crazy. 92% of the things that we, we are just so freaking out about. According to this doctor, he says, 92% of them aren't even worth stressing about. Here's why we stress, because we believe a lie. The Bible calls Satan a liar. Jesus told us in John chapter 8, verse 44, that the devil is a liar. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, that he corrupts our minds with lies. You see, and that's what happens when we start believing a lie. The truth so quickly leaves our mind. Paul says, think about what is true. Have you ever allowed your thoughts to get the best of you? Anybody in here? Allowed your thoughts? Man, I, I, I do. I, 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 that, that can just be a real struggle for me. Does anybody know the password? Because I can tell you right now. Thank you, Josh. Paul says, think about what is true. Think about what is honest and just. Whatever is worthy of respect and right. How many times have we allowed our thoughts to go places that are not respectable? Think about somebody that's not in not the nicest way. Paul says, man, we've got to, because our minds can be a plug to the power of God. I know mine can be. And Paul says, he's, if we want this power of Jesus to flow in our lives, we've got to change how we pray. We've got to change how we think. That means to think about what is true, to think about what is honest. So that means Paul talks about in Corinthians taking every thought captive. That, that's action on our part. There, there is action on our part. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, there's action on your part. You don't just go and all of a sudden life is great and it's chipper and it's all all whatever you want now, you can go do. There's action on your part where you've got to start doing things. You've got to change some things in your life. We talk a lot about grace, and grace is, is always through your life, but there's things that we have to do. 
And some of it's got to change what we're allowing into our minds. And Paul says, think about what is pure, lovely, and of good repute, of good reputation. Our world is trying to fill our minds with so much filth. Whether it's gossip filth, division filth, sexual filth, whatever it might be, isn't it? Our world is trying so hard. And Paul says, think about what is pure. Think about what is lovely. Our world is trying to ruin the things that are beautiful, isn't it? It's sad. I look at this world and, and that my three boys are going to have to be raised in. And I just think this is getting ugly. My son Ezra, he can see beautiful in so many things. And I love that about him. But teaching our kids to see the beauty in things. Teaching ourselves to see the beauty in things. To see what's lovely. Maybe you see a child that, maybe you're a school teacher and you see a child that every single day they are a problem. But maybe for you, you see a child that was made by God. That God is so passionately pursuing their heart. And you get to be God's hands and feet. God says, or Paul says, think about what is pure and lovely and of good repute. Then he says, and think about what is excellent and worthy of praise. So many of us, we waste our mind power on thoughts that tear down instead of thoughts that build up. We waste our mind and our thoughts on things that are not good and are not excellent and are not worthy of praise. And Paul says, man, if you really want to live this life, if you want to have the power of God flow through you, what's plugging your lines? What's jamming your filter? What's What's getting in the way? Is it your prayer life? Is that something you need to change? For me, I mean, that's something that I, I, I wake up every morning and I pray. I spend time in prayer. That's what I do. Sunday mornings, it's extra time. I get up at four something in the morning every Sunday. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling you, this is a routine I've made for myself that I can't go. I don't want to ever be up on this stage and not have spent time with God. Ever. Because this, this, this could come and go at any moment. But my relationship with God is something that I want to stay forever. And Paul says, think about what is excellent and worthy of praise. So Paul says, first, change the way you pray. He says, change the way you think. The third thing he says is, change how you live. Change how you live. This is what he says in verse 9. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen, practice these things. The things that you've learned, you've heard. Things that you've received, that's where you've allowed them to get deeper in just hearing. You know that moment when you hear something, but you allow, allow it to get a little deeper into your heart? Because we all hear things. We hear things, and they sometimes go in and go out, right? Anybody ever deal with somebody that you know they heard you, but they weren't really listening? You know that? So Paul is he's trying to get this as deep down into you as possible. The things you learned, received, heard, and now you've seen them practiced. You've seen it done. He says, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. My question is, what are you practicing? Because what you practice, you will make perfect. What you practice will be what you're good at, good or bad. So if you're wanting to really allow the power of God to live through you, what are you practicing to, so that might be a habit of yours? But if you are practicing gossip and division and 
sexual things that are inappropriate or, I don't know, anger, fight, malice, whatever it is. If that's what you're practicing, then that's, that's what you're going to be good at. So ask yourself, Paul says, practice these things. These things that you've seen me talk about. Paul says, you've seen how I've changed how I lived. We live in a world that's so full of anxiety. And we have so many different ways and different things to capture our anxiety. Like I go to a counselor and he helps me. But in the end, God is supposed to be my help. Now, there are, God has gifted people just like he's gifted doctors. I can pray all I want for things to get healed, but sometimes i got to go to the doctor, right? And our world pushes so many things of how to relieve stress. Maybe you take meds or you go to a counselor. Your watch even tells you how to breathe. Has any of you ever had your watch tell you, hey, you need to breathe? Anybody ever have that? I have. And I didn't realize I was holding my breath, and all of a sudden my watch is like, breathe. I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was holding my breath that long for you to tell me, watch, thank you, I might have died. But really, I mean, it's so weird. I wonder how long you have to hold your breath for your watch to know you're not breathing. I don't know. I've never done it. It's usually by accident. But Paul says, in a world that's so full of turmoil, that we can have peace. Not just peace with God. Because when you give your life to Jesus, you have peace with God. But Paul says you can have the peace of God. The peace that God knows everything's going to be okay. God knows how he's going to provide. God knows how he's going to get you through each day. The peace of God. You see, God knows the end of the story. He's not worried about it. And Paul says here, practice these things and the peace of God. God will be with you. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule, or the word actually means umpire your heart. An umpire is the one who's, who's helping know what things are right or wrong. And when we allow Christ to rule our hearts, he's umpiring, helping us know what's right and what's wrong. So many of us, we've become that umpire. And we allow, all of a sudden, these things start to pull us apart. Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the light that Christ so wants us to have, Paul tells us that God's going to complete it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And this life that God has for us, he's going to work in us so that we might do more than we could ever imagine or think. Like Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is working to make you something that you never knew or imagined you could be. That's what God's doing. That's the work. And this life that Jesus has, he, he's giving us more power than we could ever imagine or think to live this life. It says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and, and, and that we may be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being comforted in his death. This power of God that is in us is flowing through us so that we might have the work completed in us and it's all done by him. So many of us, this power is being stopped up because of things that we just need to change. So I ask you, what is it that God's saying, hey, change this? What, what is, it, is it your prayer? Is it that we need to change the way we're praying? Is it that we need to change the way we're thinking? Taking every thought captain. Now, these are not easy. This takes time. This can also only be done through the power of Christ in you. None of this is done on your own. None of this is done on your own. All of this is done by Jesus flowing through you. But Jesus is going to be the one that cleans your filter. Jesus is going to be the one that cleans your lines. Jesus is going to be the one that relieves you of your anxiety. Jesus is going to be all that. But you've got to let him too. By changing the way we pray, changing the way we think, and changing the way we live. You see, Philippians 4 is all about peace. James chapter 4 is very similar to Philippians chapter 4. Except it's the complete opposite. You see, we can see this life that we can have with peace when we change those things to God. But here's what happens when we change these things to ourselves. James chapter 4, it says, from where comes wars and fighting among you? So where does this conflict, this turmoil inside you, where does that come from? James tells us. James tells us. In James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, by wrong praying. You ask and you receive not because you ask wrong. Because you become selfish. By wrong thinking. James 4, 8. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. We, we are playing in the world and then we're playing with God. And we're like, okay, God, I want both. James says, that's what's causing the war inside you. When you are playing both sides, you can't do that. James says, so wrong praying is going to mess you up. Wrong thinking is going to jack you up. And then he says, wrong living, knowing you not. The friendship of the world is the enemy of God. Wrong living. There is no middle ground. But Paul doesn't want us to live in that moment. He wants us to, us to live in this moment realizing that we can be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. You see, if you are depending on your own strength, anxiety will overwhelm you. It will. I'm going to promise you that. Some of you, you're living in that anxiety right now. And now this doesn't come from praying one time. This is a continual giving it to God. God, I need your help. God, help me with my homework. God, this homework is stressing me out. Man, my wife, she's in school right now. She has long papers, and sometimes they're tests that are crazy long. It takes her like two hours to take a test. I'm like, gosh, longest test I took, I think I just breezed through it. I don't think I got an A, but I know I finished. Because C's and D's get degrees. <clears throat> At least that's what my friend told me. Kids, that's wrong. That was a lie. But remember this, if you are depending on Christ's strength, he will overwhelm your anxiety. Remember these promises in Philippians. Hold on to these right here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do everything, for I can do all things 
through Christ who gives me strength. Remember verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches. Not my riches, not your riches, but his riches in glory. But, but where does it come from? In Christ. Philippians 1.6 For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So remember, Jesus is going to complete the work. Jesus is the one doing the work through you, and it's Jesus in you that's going to get you through every single thing. So what is it you need to change? Your prayer life? I do. Your thought life? I do. The way you live? Yeah, me too. See, Jesus wants every anxiety because there's not a thing that makes you anxious that can make him anxious. Let's pray. And Jesus, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are true. Jesus, if any of us are in here with anxieties that are overwhelming us, Lord, I pray that we would lay them at your feet today. Lord, we may have to lay them every single minute of every single day for a while, but Lord, I pray that we would do so. May we trust in you. Jesus, I ask that you bless us. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.